Mine are 49. Is that how old you are? 49? You don't look a day over 49. You don't. Now, it's his birthday. I think we had a lot of birthdays here in this uh, month of uh, February. You can check your bulletins, and if we don't have yours in there, let us know. I know we got some some good birthdays that are coming up. Yeah, happy birthday. It is your birthday today, February 6th. It is a happy birthday, Casey. It's good. Good that you're in church on your birthday. Amen. Uh, so Carmen Janus is going to have uh, her procedure done Wednesday, 7 o'clock in the morning at the Physician Center. And uh, we'll be praying. Frank going to be there? Say, he better be, huh? Amen. Amen. That's good. Uh, Charlie and Janice are back. They've both been, man, they've been fighting a battle. And Ben, it's good to see you. And and uh, we're, I think we're really in a, several people that have been struggling with COVID or those types of just being sick. Looks like we got folks on the recovery side of that. It's good to have you back. It is good uh, to be here this morning. And, uh, We'll ask you to turn your attention, uh, go to Ephesians and chapter 6, and I'm going to make a quick reference to Colossians. Uh, I will tell you, we still have some of the boomerang baby bottles out in the foyer. Those have to be turned in by next Sunday uh, for Hope Pregnancy. So if you have not had one, go ahead and get one, sign one up, have them back next week. We'll make sure that we get those delivered. I'm going to deliver all our, our toiletry and the toilet paper and our toiletries to a House of Hope tomorrow and that was a really, that's turned out very good, and we're able to uh, bless them. In fact, I'll probably take them tonight, as a matter of fact. So uh, thank you for all your, your help in that area. It's been a blessing. We'll be doing these kinds of things all year long uh, in, in uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to serve people. So in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, Paul, if you know, if you've studied the book of Ephesians, the whole premise uh, for Paul's writing is based upon a chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings, uh, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The entire letter to the Ephesians is, a, a, the rest of the letter is a proof text, the theology and the doctrine of that statement. It's a statement, this is what God has done the entire letter is then to Christians and Paul. And if you, don't, if you don't fully understand that or believe that or know that, then the rest of the letter is the proof of how God blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then when you get to the end of the book, um, he makes this statement uh, in chapter 6 about being strong in the Lord. And that is verse 10. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally, ending his letter, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Read it one more time. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, if you go to Colossians, we've been in our study in Colossians. Uh, I'm not departing from that study. We had gone through chapter 1, and last week we looked at verse 13 and 14, uh, this statement, uh, this, really this next passage of Scripture is about the supremacy of Christ. 
But in verse 13 and 14, uh, Paul, as he enters into this great, these statements about Christ, he says, for he, God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we talked about that last week, um, that God rescued us from the domain of darkness. He transferred us. He delivered us and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And we talked about redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Before we get and start next week in verse 15, about all these emphatic statements about who Christ is, um, the standard in which he did deliver us and transfer us and buy us back, redeem us and forgiveness. I, I want to connect that passage with this statement that Paul makes, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Um, if I'm going to understand, if I'm really going to understand what God has done for me through Christ, um, it's important that I understand and not just who he is, but the application to my life. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. I believe that he is God's gift to us so that we can be forgiven. I believe that. I believe that uh, he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit as, we, as he has brought us to repentance. And I believe that. And I believe he has poured his Holy Spirit into our heart because he loves us. I believe that. And consequently, believing that, I'm still in my flesh. And, uh, and so I struggle with that. All the things that I believe about Christ, um, and I know they're true, um, I still am in my flesh. I'm still just a guy, I'm a human being, and I'm trying to do the best I can. And I'm sure the same is true of you. You're just trying to do the best you can. And sometimes we read this word and we pray and we worship, and, and all those things are meaningful. In fact, I believe they're the most important things that we accomplish in our life is our devotion to scripture, our devotion to prayer, our devotion to worship. And so we do that, and we're blessed to do that. But the truth of the matter is, we do live in a world where we're tempted, we're weak, we become fearful, um, life can overwhelm us, it comes at us in waves. Uh, many times we're caught unaware, things happen to us that we're not expecting. And so... Sometimes, in spite of what we believe and in spite of even what we're devoted to, uh, we can feel defeated and we can feel uh, overwhelmed and, and we can become angry and frustrated and uh, even confused. And so when I look, before I really examine the truth about who Christ is, he did deliver me from the domain of darkness. He did transfer me. God did transfer me to the kingdom of his beloved son. I have redemption. I have been redeemed. God has bought me back through the blood of his son. I have the forgiveness of my sins. And now all these wonderful statements about the assurance about that statement in Colossians based upon who Christ is, there is a connecting point for the Christian that can feel defeated even in being devoted. The Christian 
who uh, can become frustrated, overwhelmed, angry, weak. Um, there's this statement that has to do with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and God delivering us from the domain of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And that is the statement here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Great statement. Love that statement. True statement. So what prevents me from being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might? What is it? Now, if I examine myself and if I'm honest with myself and who I am and how I'm living my life and what is it that I'm wanting to accomplish in my life and how I want to, I want to be the best Christian man. I want to be the best Christian husband, the best Christian father and friend that I can be. And I just, I want that. And so I want to be strong. I really do. I want to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I can, I can, I can only be honest about the failures that I have. And because I have to just be real honest with you. I don't feel very strong sometimes. And I don't feel like I am strong in the Lord. And I don't feel like I'm in the strength of his might. Why not? That just doesn't happen overnight. It normally happens at moments. I'm just living. You just live. We're just living. We're just getting up in the morning, have some coffee. We've got to go to work and face the, just the uh, details of the daily living in which we have. And whether you're teaching school or driving a truck or just retired or whatever it is you're doing in life, um, you know, we get up, we start to function, right? In the reality of our life. And we all hope for good things, don't we? And we all look for pleasure, and we all look for joy, and we all want to find fulfillment and, you know, satisfaction in our life. And, but again, life just comes, and for the Christian, sometimes it just catches me, and then sometimes I'm overwhelmed by it. And the problem that I have is that I, I especially, it's just because of the calling and the place to God, I should be prepared for every situation that comes my way. I, man, I have devoted myself to knowing his word, prayer, worship, all those things, and yet things happen, and it's like, huh, what, why, oh, no, I don't like that, man, come on, God, help me, and then I begin to examine myself, and the problem is always my, it's me, I'm the problem, God ain't the problem, his word ain't the problem, he ain't the problem, and, and the weakness comes from always, always, always. Something that's taken place in my life that has to do with strength and might. It's challenging. The admonition is finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay. What's the problem? I know the truth. I know my desires. But just, just put it in the realm of strength and might and spiritual warfare. He's going to talk about that. He continues if you read the rest of that passage, that, that we do have a spiritual battle. 
And, and there, is, there is the devil that is scheming against us. So here's the first thing. From the time we're born, and now look at these young men right here. And every one of us, we all have this in common, everybody. Something we have been learning and taken in and exposed to. Um, things that we, we have come to the determination that there's value in something, there's strength in something. There's value and there's strength in it. Little kid. So you just take a piece of paper, Blake, and you can just write... Well, I value this. This is valuable to me. Well, why is it valuable to you? Well, it's valuable to you probably because you've been taught it and you've experienced it and it's been the results of your circumstances, your parents, grandparents, or friends, influence, whatever the influence in your life is. So you begin to value something. Well, this is, I like this. This is valuable to me. Almost always everything that we value in life has something to do with strength and might. Almost always. Very rarely are we going to value something that we don't esteem as worthy and strong and mighty. We, like, we just like strength and we like might and, and everything that we value has to do with, that's, boy, I like that. I like something strong. I like something mighty. I like, that's good stuff. There's value in that. I see value from all the things that I esteem in my life which make me strong or make the circumstances around me strong. We don't like weakness. I don't want no one weak. I want strength. I want might. I have security in that. I have value in that. I have, listen, I have assurance in that. I like it. This is strong. This is mighty. I have a strength here. I have might here. There's value in this. And that's what we do. And so it, it, the problem that we have, finally, being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, is that we're struggling with the things that we think are strong and mighty. And be honest, the Bible addresses that. This is Bible 101. I mean, you start looking at all the things that the Bible teaches us, that God teaches us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about our life in relationship with God, and then contrast that it versus God, the things that are anti-God. And they almost always have something to do with strength and might the things that we value, the things that we, uh, we brand ourselves or become our trademark or become our, our, <laughs> our, our thesis statement on our life, the things that I get strength and value or, or, or value in from strength and might. So, for instance, go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Paul nails it. He's talking about himself. He's writing all about himself. He says, the verse, uh, chapter 3, beginning of verse 4, he writes, Although, Paul's talking about himself, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. I got confidence in that. Confidence, assurance, value, strength, might. They're all married. I got confidence in that. I, I might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. I. You want to talk about flesh? You want to talk about confidence? I'm going to lay it on you. Here it is, man, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as the zeal of persecutor of the church, as the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. Now, he's given his religious resume, 
which was where he found value, strength, and might. It's, it was identity. His identity was his heritage, his legacy. Man, I am a Jew. Listen, as to Zell, the persecutor of the church, as of the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. At one point he would say, I'm a Hebrew of all Hebrews. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Here's, he's identifying his problem. His was unique to him. If you, if you knew, you, I, hope, I hope you've been doing your daily scripture readings. If you've been doing the daily scripture readings that the elders have provided for you, you've gone through Genesis, you've gone through Exodus, you've gone through uh, Job. And, uh, and I, for me personally, I see the, the harmony of scripture. So uh, Wednesday nights, we're teaching the youth group out of 1 Timothy. Wednesday mornings, we have a Bible study in Ephesians, by the way. That's at uh, JMF. It's at Mark's Day. We have a good turnout for that. We even have folks on the phone that they don't get up at 6 in the morning. Some are in Colorado that uh, they want to be a part of that Bible study. So if you don't want to get up and come in, we'll put you on the phone, and we're studying Ephesians. We do that every Wednesday uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. We're usually done about 6.45. So uh, if you want to be a part of that Bible study, you don't have to come. We'll get you on the phone. But so for me, uh, doing First Timothy with the youth group Wednesday night. Wednesday morning, we have Ephesians. Uh, we're preaching through Colossians. Bible study over here, we're doing Jude um, Sunday morning. And then we have the daily scripture readings. And as for me personally, as I'm doing that, Colossians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy, uh, the historical readings, it, it's just this wonderful harmony of Scripture. And everything resonates. You see the perfect harmony in Scripture. That all you connect all the dots, and you find all the teaching, the encouragement. So I hope you're doing that. So Paul, as he's talking about the things that he had valued, you could reflect on just in the book of Genesis. He knew about circumcision. He knew about the tribe of Benjamin. He knew about the law, the word of God. And he found value in that, confidence in that. He found strength and value in that. Now, that's Paul. What about you? See, one of the single biggest problems that we have that it's real hard to put on the strength and might of the Lord when you're putting on your strength and your might. And in this case, his strength and might came from his legacy, his heritage. Jesus had to address the Pharisees, of which Paul was one, in the 10th chapter of Matthew. He says, he's teaching a story. There were those that hoped in themselves. That's the problem we have. We hope in ourselves. And we hope in ourselves based upon all the things that we've learned that we value, that we have confidence in. I got, I'm confident. I know how to take care of business. I was raised by the right people. My family, we got three generations. You just do the thing. 
and then we become entitled. We have confidence in things that we have learned, we have taught, we have experienced. We can justify it. Man, I know this has got to be true. My family, my heritage, my experience, my knowledge. And I'll never be able to put on the, the strength of God and put on his might as long as my strength and my might is my strength and my might. And, and so many of us do that. Do you, how often do we do this? We start telling somebody about ourselves, and we become pretty coy at it. Well, I did this or I that. Well, my family was over here. We did this. Well, this has been a part of my family. You know, we're just giving our resume, and it is our, it is our confidence resume. It is our pride resume. It's the things that we value. And they give us, they make us substantial. Look, I'm a substantial person. My life has substance. And I can give you the resume. There it is. And we do it with knowledge. You know, we just do. We, we, man, I got my knowledge and my strength and my might that comes from my knowledge. Paul told the Corinthians, he said, you know what? Knowledge puffs up. But we do it, don't we? Let me tell you about my family. Let me tell you about my heritage. Uh, religion. That's what Paul's doing when he writes to Philippians. People want to talk about their religion, their relationship, or standing in, in, a, 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 in a church setting. They feel like somehow there's an entitlement, some confidence, some assurance, some pride that now I have strength and might associated with that. This is just, a, a, you know, we see arrogant people. All you got to do is look out on a pro football, college, any, you, all you got to do, you want to see arrogance, pride in a person's strength and might, just turn on the playoffs, the regular season, and basketball, football, any of them. You see that guy hit that home run, and he flips that bat. You know, you see them guys score a touchdown, they do whatever it is they do. You see a guy dunk a basketball, you see they do. It's pride. It's arrogance, and it's, they even have confidence in it. And they'll even tell you, hey, this is the result of hard work, man. I put it into work. We do it with our businesses. We do. We are so delusional. We're just delusional. Men and women actually think they built businesses. There's no man, woman, or child that has ever built a business. But Satan's greatest weapon against us is our sense of personal accomplishment. He doesn't have to do very much work. All I have to do is let them stroke their own ego. Let them believe they've done something. They did it. It's easy to do. All you got to do, it's right there in the pages of Scripture. You go to the 18th chapter of Luke, 12th chapter of Luke. There's a man who owned a whole lot. It says he owned a whole lot. And he looked about, of, of everything that he had amassed. And he said, I'm going to build some more. What I got ain't enough. I did it. I built it. My hard work, my work ethic. And we might not even take credit. We've caught, well, I learned it from my mom and dad. Well, God bless you. Do you have pride in that? Because it's what you're saying. And that's almost a good thing, a badge of honor somehow. But it's talking about I and me. And that guy's talking about I and me. I did it. I built, I'm going to build some more. And then I'm just going to look all around me and, I'm going to have comfort in my final days. And the scripture says, Jesus says, you fool, this very night, your life will be required of you. 
And who's going to have all that you possess now? Who's going to have it? Who are you going to leave it to? Who's going to own it? Did you really own it? Now think about that. We'll never be able to put on the strength and the might of the Lord. We'll never be able to, as long as we're operating in ours. And it's such a deceptive, delusional thing. How many of you had anything to do with any of you? How many of you had anything to do with your birth? If you had something to do with your birth, raise your hand. So we don't get to argue over this the way it is. How many of you had anything to do with where you were born? If you were born in Texas and you were born an American, you already, you already have been blessed. And all you got to do is go south of here or in some of these other countries. You think we got it bad in America? You know how good we got in America? I'll tell you how good we got it in America. We arguing over stupid, foolish things that matter not one thing. And it's important, and it's news headline stuff. Most of the world's worried about whether they're going to get their next meal. Are they going to be thrown in jail by an oppressive government? Do they have clean drinking water? Now, you could just go on and on. You didn't have nothing to do. I didn't have nothing to do when I was born or where I was born. We already blessed. We live in America, the United States of America. Every nation, every power, and every authority that's ever been established is established by God. And God saw fit for you to be born where you're born simply on the basis of his will. What, do you, what can you take? Do you have strength in your body to accomplish something? What did you do for that? You didn't do nothing for that. God gave you that strength. Do you have a mind that can... Figure some stuff out. A spirit that can be committed to accomplish that. What do you have to do with that? Nothing. Nothing. But we, we'll never be able to put on, we'll never be able to live in the strength and the might of God, putting on the full armor of God, because we live in our own strength. We put on, you can't try to be putting on God's strength and his might, trusting in his, when you've got too much of your own on. It's got to become rubbish to you. So you got the guy in Luke 12, you got the guy in Luke 18. I use this often. He's the, he's the Pharisee. He goes to the temple in the presence of God, and he says, thank you, God, for not making me like other men. That sounds pretty good. But then he goes to his resume, because I, I, I tie. 10% of even the smallest herb. Well, the only reason you got a herb to tithe is because God gave it to you. The only reason you got land to till is because God gave it to you. The only reason you've got the oxygen in your lungs to promote the blood flow and the heart to pump is because God gave it to you and I. You want to see how all this works? You go to Proverbs in chapter 6, and you just read verse 16 through 19, the six things that God hates and one that is an abomination. And let's just go there. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 6. These are the things that God hates. These are the things that are an abomination to God. Proverbs chapter 6. 
Verse 16. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. Where does a haughty eye come from? Where does an eye that looks down at somebody or looks at... Comes from personal pride and strength. That I believe I have the right to have a haughty eye. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies. Oh, here's a big one. And one who spreads strife and division among brothers. Pride. He hates pride. And most of everything that happens in our life that gets us in trouble is a result of pride. What is this pride? We become proud of something. And usually what we become proud of is our sense of accomplishment, which then validates our sense of strength and might. And you can see it in religion. I've seen, I'm just going to say in 35 years of ministry, I've seen more pride in the body of Christ. I really have. It breaks my heart. Most of the New Testament letters are written on this basis. If somebody said, what's the weakness of the body of Christ? It's a sense of pride. You said, well, not an arrogant pride but a sense of accomplishment or a sense of ownership and something that they have pride in. Again, I would just say to you, if you had a conversation in the, in the presence of Christ and you were going to recount your life to him in his presence, how would your language change? How would the telling of your story change? How much of your accomplishment or your sense of ownership or your sense of being right would emanate from that conversation? We'll never be able to live in the strength and the might of God as long as we're dealing with our own strength and might. It's just not going to happen. It's not. So, how do, how do, how do I? What's got to take place in order for me to live in the strength and the might of God? Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And then 1 Corinthians and we'll, be, we'll end there. You probably on your own reading ought to read the 8th chapter of Romans. The 8th chapter of Romans is this wonderful truth about all things work for the good that those who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's great encouragement there. Back to Romans 8, I, he has made us more than conquerors. He made us. Our strength is through Christ. Uh, all things do work. Uh, they do. Even the bad things Work to the good for those that love the Lord. Joseph said it, what man intended for evil, God intended for good. 
Joseph was called according to God's purpose. So Paul writes about himself in chapter 12, in verse, um, verse 7. He had these great revelations. Um, he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, verse 7, 2 Corinthians, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself. I cannot fully understand what God has done for me. I cannot fully understand what we're going to read in Colossians about the supremacy of Christ. I cannot understand what God has done for me. I cannot understand the supremacy of Christ. I cannot. I'll never be able to live in his strength and his might as long as I'm exalting myself. I cannot do it. I've given you a few examples. We can do it. But we exalt ourselves with knowledge, possession, legacy, heresy. Satan just serves it all up. Yeah, you got it, baby. You good. You good, baby. It's all you. You good. You honest. You ever had anybody say to you, I won't tolerate a liar? <laughs> I just want to. Satan is, Jesus said that he's better. They, they, really? So you, are, you got all that about you going on. You ain't going to tolerate a liar. God bless your little soul. Because somewhere you lied and somewhere you going to lie. And in your pride and sense of yourself and your strength and your might, you don't believe that? Woo, I'm scared for you. <laughs> That's Satan's playground. Exalt myself. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. We just do it. We exalt, we even humbly exalt ourselves. You know, I'm a, hey, just want you to know I'm taking care of this, man. Listen, I'm going to take care of this. Oh, hey, we're doing this over here. Now, because it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? No, nah, it Well, this is the backdoor way of saying, man, I know. I got it going on. We get it. I got some power here. I got some strength here. Really? But we do it. It's just our flesh. We, we just exalt ourselves. And so God will do something about it. In Paul's case, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content. Are you well content with your weaknesses? Are you well content with insults? Are you well content with distresses? Are you well content with persecutions? Are you well content with difficulties, for Christ's sake? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I want to ask you, you can tell how much pride a person has based upon how easily offended they are. Because it's not an affront on Christ. It's an affront on their or my personal sense of integrity and power and strength. And God just flips that. God don't want to have nothing to do with anybody, even when we're coy about it, exalting ourselves. And he'll do whatever he loves us so much, he'll do whatever he can to destroy the pride in us so that we won't exalt ourselves and we become completely Dependent on him. Final verse, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's the same 
reality. We'll finish here. First Corinthians chapter one. You ought to read the whole passage. He talks about wisdom, the wisdom of God. He tells him in verse 26, consider your calling. Verse 26, for consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised things, the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. Now you might have a picture of boasting before God in the throne room. Tell me one place, any place, that you're not before God. Jeff, you're before God at Copy Stop. You are. And you are. Mark, you're before God at JMF. Rick, you're before God at MyCon. We don't get to say, well, I'm not before God. You're before God in your kitchen, in your bedroom. And who God wants and who God chooses are, what is it? The weak, the foolish, the debased, the despised. Because that man's been stripped of everything. I got to share this with you. I learned this early on. Because I, I have lived in that world. It's a proud thing to be in a rodeo arena and pull something off that you think has courage, strength, and might, and to throw that hat, pound that chest. It's not so proud to be in a prison unit, stripped of everything. And you don't have a name, you have a number. It's just not. You know what? I, one of the things that really has bothered me in the years of prison ministry, this shows you how base our flesh is and how strong foolish pride can be. It's one thing to be a Pharisee in the temple or Paul and his legacy and his heritage and the sons of Abraham. I, you know, I'm the son of Abraham. <laughs> so what guys, yeah, Jesus said, God will make stones, and he can take these stones, sons of Abraham. Oh, I've been a Christian. I've been a member of this church. For, yeah, whatever. But I used to hear this. Guys would brag about being a convict, being in prison. Do you, th- you still realize how, how foolish we are, the things that we find? So, yeah, I've been to penitentiary. Yeah, man, my dad, my granddad, my uncles, my brother, they've been to penitentiary. Like that's a badge of honor. Well, we just do it with all kinds of things. I don't know how low God has got to bring us to strip us of everything that makes us 
<laughs> proud and strong or whatever or wise, but he'll do it. He'll do it. Why? So that no man may boast before God. And here's why, church. Here's why. This is how you can begin to put on the armor of God. This is how you can live against the schemes of that. This is how you can, re you can find, you can literally live in the strength and the might of God on this basis here. But by his doing, you're in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Of all the things that you could be proud of, of all the things that you find value, security, wisdom, power, strength in, all of them, they're, they're, they're delusional. If they, don't not, if they do not have the basic understanding, premise, knowledge, and truth, that but by his doing, by his doing, I'm saved. In spite of my foolish pride, my sense of false strength, the way I value things. <clears throat> but by his doing, I was sanctified. I was redeemed. I was bought back. You want me to boast? I'm going to boast about what God has done. I'm going to boast about how God would take a foolish, prideful, arrogant piece of trash and loved me enough to bring me to the end of myself or yourself or a church or this church and quit walking in my pride or your pride and say, dear Lord God Almighty, have mercy on me, a sinner. sinner. He did that. He did that. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. He did that. When we boast, let us boast in the Lord. Then we, can, then we can live in his strength and his might to the praise of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, my prayer is that you strip us <coughs> of anything, Father, that we value, of anything that we believe is good and decent, and strong in me, anything, Father, that has to do with myself. I pray that you destroy it. I, I, I pray that you erase it. I pray that you develop in me a heart and a spirit and a mind that all that I have to boast in is your goodness. Everything that I have is only from you and by you and through you. And every even bad thing in my life can and will result in praise to you, Father. Destroy the selfishness that's in my mind and my heart. Destroy the sense of pride, Father. Strip me from it. Father, please help me to live in your strength and your might. Understanding all that you have done for me. All that you are willing to do for anyone. It's your desire, Father, according to your word, that none would perish. Father, thank you. Thank you for your strength and your might. 
And Father, we understand we have seen it through the death of your son, even on a cross. The greatest, the greatest moment in power and strength the world has ever known or ever will know. The death of your son, even on a cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen.